I get a profound sense of relief when I finish writing a series. Sometimes. I've had problems with finishing series in the past, and I still grumble and growl over those problems. But I'll save those grumblings and growlings for a different episode. Today is about the relief and satisfaction when a series is planned and executed as I had envisioned. And for those of you that are writers out there, you know how difficult it can be to go from planning to execution and stay on course. Imagination has a tendency to wreak havoc with those best laid plans. What series? What relief? Roke, Galactic Bounty Hunter. It began as an homage to Richard Stark's Parker series of crime novels. There are certain milestones in life that have a distinct before and after moment. Being turned on to the Parker books is one of those for me. But, of course, an homage is not a copy, and what Roke became is far from what the Parker books are. I'm not talking about the fact that my series is set in space and has pew-pew lasers and all that space jazz. No, characters become what they are and there's not a lot that can be done about that, even if I am the guy writing it. So sit back, relax, and get comfy. Unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery, pay attention, please. This episode is going to be different. How? Keep listening. Welcome to Writing in Suburbia with Jake Bible. Hey, y'all. Just wanted to let you know that I have more than this podcast going on. I'm also publishing a weekly newsletter, as well as releasing chapters of novels, the original podcast recording of Dead Mech, the Friday Night Drabble Party, and so much more. Where is all this greatness? Go to jakebible.substack.com. That's jakebible.substack.com. You can subscribe for free and get plenty of cool stuff weekly. Or become a paid subscriber and get the first releases of novels and audiobooks before they go on sale. Full access to the Dead Mech podcast immediately instead of weekly installments. Access to the full archive and exclusive threads and discussions. Plus a ton of cool stuff I haven't even thought up yet. Head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe now. Again, welcome to Writing in Suburbia with Jake Bible. What is this podcast? It's a place where I talk about my career as a professional writer, my fiction, my dreams, my life and family, host other authors, eventually. Try out some new things and just be real for a moment. I promise not to get preachy, to always be kind, and to be 100% honest without hurting anyone. So, sit back and relax and prepare to be entertained. But before we get into the meat of the episode, how about some quick Jake Bible Fiction news? Welcome to the JBF News! Damn, there's a lot of stuff that's happened since my last episode. Where to begin? Well... And not to be a spoiler here, but since today's episode is audiobook-themed, it is, trust me, let's talk about audiobooks. First, you can get Quantum Chaos, the sixth Roke novel in audiobook format directly from my web store. 
or from Audible, Amazon, iTunes. You should go do that. And the seventh and final Roke novel, Roke's War, is now available for direct download on my web store. Or in my web store. From my web store? Something with my web store. Go there. Get it. It'll be on Audible, Amazon, iTunes in about 30 business days. Really depends on how quickly ACX can finish their uh, quality control process. Whatever that means. Don't want Roke? Well, then you should totally check out my re-release of Zburbia. Why is it a re-release? Because the exclusive contract with Audible is over, and I can now release the first Zburbia audiobook on all platforms. Audible, iTunes, Google Play, Kobo, direct download from my web store, and even Bandcamp. Yep, I am now experimenting with releases on Bandcamp. That'll probably be an episode in of itself. Not in the mood for audio? Then feel free to pick up Quantum Chaos and Roke's War as ebooks or paperbacks. Both are available by Severed Press on Amazon. Oh, and you know what? All my paid subscribers got free copies of both the ebooks and the audiobooks of Quantum Chaos and Roke's War. Free copies before everyone else. Not too shabby. So, you know, maybe think about becoming a paid subscriber. As 2021 progresses, you'll be happy you did as new exclusive projects get released. Let's see, what am I missing? Probably a ton of stuff. I'm hoping to have a big announcement soon, but a few pieces have to fall into place first. Stay tuned. And that wraps it up for the JBF News. Thanks, y'all. So a bit of a switch up in this episode. The meat of the episode isn't me talking about a subject, but the first chapter of the Roke audiobook. Yep, I'm going to talk briefly, and then y'all get to listen to how the series began. Why am I doing it this way? Because why not? And also, it'll introduce some of y'all to Roke. I write in so many genres that I know I have Dead Mech fans, Zburbia fans, Mega fans, and Roke fans. They don't always overlap. So this episode will maybe get some folks on board with the galaxy's most badass bounty hunter. For the writers listening, you get to hear how I took a very terrestrial genre like crime fiction and thrust it into the outer reaches of space and sci-fi without losing the grit and grime and spirit that is crime fiction. Would I love to write a straight-up crime fiction novel or series that doesn't have speculative elements? Sure. But that's not my fan base. Plus, when you put shit in space, especially in the far, far future, you get to make up the rules. And I like to make up the rules. So as I always say, sit back, relax, get comfy, and prepare for some rogue galactic bounty hunter. Oh, and the narrator is the amazing Andrew B. Whirlin. Check his other projects out when you get a chance. Now, here's Roke. Just Roke. One. Ebony skinned, Boss Teague blended into the shadowed corner of his spa room with ease. He sat there, naked, his expansive belly hanging down onto the tops of his thighs, his pitch-black lips glistening wet with anticipation. He licked those lips with a long, narrow tongue that was as dark as his skin, if not darker. His eyes watched the three Nomorians cavort in the water tank, 
their nymph-like bodies so young and supple. Their green skin tone with jeweled radiance, lighting up with sexual energy as they laughed and played with each other, oblivious to the man that stared intently at them. Boss Teague licked his lips again and was about to stand up to join the alien women he had paid a handsome price for. But his privacy was interrupted by a knock on the spa room door. The Nemorian women were too busy laughing and splashing to notice, but for a moment, engrossed with that deliciously visual play, so was Boss Teague. But the knock came again, stronger, more insistent, and there was no way to ignore it. He rubbed the tops of his thighs several times as he got his anger at the interruption under control. His people knew better, so it must be incredibly important. It had better be. If not, then Boss Teague planned on having a rather severe conversation with the person on the other side of the spa door. His hand reached for the wall and slid open a small panel. He withdrew a Kepler knife without a sound and held it behind his back. It was a black market weapon, banned on the planet where he kept his stronghold, but he didn't care. Nothing happened on Ligston without his say-so. What? Boss Teague barked. The three Nemorians paused in their sexually charged water play to glance over at the shadowed corner. Boss Teague stood up and they shrank back slightly, each placing a hand on each other's shoulders for comfort and support. It was a natural subconscious reaction when faced with an incredibly obese, eight-foot-tall man suddenly peeling himself away from the shadows. The knocking continued. What? Boss Teague barked again. Open! The door slid open, and a man, almost as tall as Boss Teague but nowhere near as heavy, stumbled into the spa room, a meter-cubed box swaying his arms down. Boss Teague's lips pulled back in rage and disgust at the interruption and the Kepler knife would have been put to use. But the look on the man's face made Boss Teague hesitate. Vinlock? Boss Teague asked. You had better have a good reason for this. Vinlock, one of Boss Teague's most trusted bodyguards and enforcers, nodded rapidly as sweat poured down his forehead and into his terrified eyes. What the seven Satans is in the box? Boss Teague asked. What the hell is going on? Set it down by the water tank. A voice ordered from the doorway. Nice and easy. Then get your ass back up against the wall. Over there. Slow. Smooth. Got it? Then Luck looked over his shoulder at the source of the voice and nodded. He quickly complied with all the orders he was given, looking as if arguing was the farthest thing from his mind. Boss Teague pulled the Kepler knife out from behind his back, the blade glowing orange, ready to slice through flesh like it was tissue paper. He waved it around and pointed it directly at the doorway. I'm not even going to count to three, Boss Teague said. Show yourself now or die. Two choices, that's it. Put it away, Teague, a man said, as he stepped all the way into the spa room. You're gonna get hurt. Over six feet tall, square-jawed, and broad-shouldered, the man looked like he could have played any of a dozen popular galactic professional sports in his youth. But his youth was long gone. Late thirties, scarred skin, ropey muscles, and eyes that were cold as ice. The man had obviously found a new sport in life, one that involved a good deal of violence. Roke, Boss Teague said, then laughed. Wasn't expecting to see you so soon. The huge man glanced over at Vinluck, then back at Roke. Wasn't expecting to see you at all, in fact, he continued. 
I told you my men would make the payment. No need for us to meet face to face. That's what you told me, Roke said. Roke folded his arms across his chest and leaned back against the wall. He was dressed in light armor, the kind that was as flexible as cloth, but strong as the hardest metal in the galaxy. His arms were crossed over a blast-scarred section of the armor that drew almost all of the eyes in the room right to it, minds instantly wondering how a man could survive such a blast and still be standing there before them. Except for Boss Teague. His eyes ignored the blast armor and stayed focused intently on Roke's scarred face. What do you want, Roke? Boss Teague asked. He tilted his head slightly, giving the impression he was looking past Roke without actually looking away from the man. Where are the rest of my men? Most are alive, Roke said and shrugged. And most of those will probably live. Some won't. The ones that refuse to pay me don't even get a choice. They didn't make it. He didn't complete the job, Vinlek said, his voice loud and panicked. I told him that, but he wouldn't listen. I completed the job, Roke said, and pointed his chin at the meter-cubed metal box that sat near the water tank. The three Nemorian whores shrank back from it, as if it would contaminate them, despite there being ten inches of plastiglass and hundreds of gallons of water between them and it. Roke smiled briefly, then nodded. Proof of completion is right there. That's Beacon Maz? Boss Teague asked. You put his body in there? What's left of it? Roke said. The bounty was dead or alive. Dead was the only way. That shouldn't have been a problem. Your men made it one. No, Vinlux snapped. Maz being dead ain't the problem. That ain't Maz. That's the problem. DNA sequencing matches, Roke said. Open it, Teague. Authentication is solid. Have your text check it out. Open it. Boss Teague snarled at Vinluck. Now! The bodyguard rushed over to the box, a look of complete defeat on his face. He pressed a palm to the brushed metal side and waited as gases escaped from hidden ports and the top slowly rose, revealing a plastic glass tank filled with a rosy brown liquid. Eight million guts! Boss Teague hissed. What did you do to him? Nothing, Roke said, except scoop him up and put him in there. He was dead and liquefied when I found him. Probably had been for at least three months. Feel lucky, Teague, that you can't smell him. Wasn't pleasant. Boss Teague didn't answer right away. His eyes studied the plastiglass and its contents. His brows knitted together in intense thought. That can't be Maz, he finally said. Dead for months? No, you have the wrong box of gunk. I said that too, Vinlux said then shut his mouth as Boss Teague glared at him. Beacon Maz was last seen on Eggfat three weeks ago, Boss Teague stated. You failed, Roke. It's surprising considering your reputation, but it happens to everyone at some point in their lives. Not to me, Roke replied. His voice was so confident that Boss Teague almost began to nod in agreement. Roke smiled. That's Beacon Maz. The person your people saw on Eggfat was not Maz. That was a jerk. Maz died months ago, and the jerks stole his skin. Rough way to go. Roke nodded at the plastiglass tank of gunk. Really rough. Boss Teague began to chuckle. He pointed the Kepler knife at Roke and shook his head as he did so. You, he hissed as he laughed. You're clever. Everyone said you were clever. I never take what others say for granted, but you've proven them right. You are clever. 
The knife was pointed at the remains of Beacon Maz. You want me to pay for that body even though that's technically not the bounty you were hired for. You're wrong there, Teague, Roke said. Technically, that's exactly the bounty I was hired for. Bring you Beacon Maz. That's Beacon Maz. It's not my fault that the actual target you want is a jerk walking around inside Maz's skin. If you want me to find that guy or gal, then that's a whole other bounty. I'll take it on as soon as you pay me for this one. I'm paying you for that tank of shit, Boss Teague said, still laughing. Oh, <laughs> Roke, there is no way in all the hells that you are getting paid for that. You do your job and find the jerk that's causing me so much trouble, and then you'll see your credits. Chits, Roke said. Hard currency, no credits, chits. I'll take them now and be on my way, since it sounds like you don't want to hire me for the next job. You didn't complete the first one, Boss Teague roared, the laughing suddenly done. You ain't getting nothing until you do what I hired you to do. Roke only stood there against the wall, his cold, cold eyes locked onto Boss Teague's. The ebony giant growled low and then waved a hand over his left wrist. A holographic display came up and several faces appeared within it, eyes hard and ready. Everyone, Boss Teague snarled. Send everyone to me, now. You're making a mistake, Teague, Roke said. Pay me what you owe me and this doesn't have to go bad for you. Bad for me? Boss Teague shouted. Bad for me? You are insane, Roke. Insane. Roke raised an eyebrow in response. That was all. My guards will tear you a new one, Boss Teague yelled. They'll create orifices in your body that should only exist on a Nefirian. And when they're done doing that, I'll make sure every single one of those new orifices is violated in the most horrendous way. You hear me, Roke? You are going to die with less dignity than turpigs get at a slaughterhouse. Just pay me, Teague, Roke sighed. Boss Teague's body shook with uncontrolled rage. Literally, uncontrolled. The Kepler knife nearly came loose from his grip as he continued to shake. Roke sighed again. You're wasting my time, Roke said. Hire me to find the jerk that's been troubling your operation. Or don't. Whatever you decide, you still have to pay me what you owe me. Boss Teague spluttered, angry spittle flying from his lips. The scene would have continued that way indefinitely with Roke staring at Boss Teague shaking if a small army of muscle from various galactic species and races hadn't come crashing through the doorway and into the room. Roke drew his knife and slit the throats of the first six toughs that came at him before the rest even knew which way to look. With the corpses of their comrades creating a massive amount of multicolored blood on the spa room floor, the small army skidded to a halt and turned to face Roke, who was still leaning against the wall, his blade casually aimed at them. I can't kill you all, but I will kill most of you, Roke said. Leave. None moved. Roke shrugged. Then they moved as one. He slashed out, his arm never pausing. Roke was good with the blade he always kept strapped to his thigh. Very good. Of the small army that raced into the spa room, eight were left by the time Roke was taken down. Those eight made sure their comrades' deaths did not go unavenged. Roke managed to stay conscious for about 15 minutes before the blows to his head sent him sliding quickly into oblivion.
Hey, all you crazy folks out there. Do you like zombies? Do you like mechs? Do you like post-apocalyptic wastelands filled with cults and cannibals and city-states and hundreds of thousands of the undead? Then you're gonna love Dead Mech. In the far, far future, Dead Mech asks the question, what happens when a mech pilot dies while piloting their 50-foot battle robot and then becomes a zombie? You get a Dead Mech. Dead Mech is available for free as an ebook, and you can find the link at jakebible.com. Want to listen for free? Then check out the re-release of the original podcast version of the novel. Subscribe for free at jakebible.substack.com, and you'll get an episode each week delivered right to the podcast player of your choice. Hell, you may have already noticed an episode or two in this very feed. Don't want to wait each week? then feel free to either become a paid subscriber at jakebible.substack.com and get all of the episodes at once, or go to jakebible.com and purchase the audiobook from the web store. Or buy it from one of those giganto mega corporations. They have copies waiting for you, too. Remember, head to jakebible.com or jakebible.substack.com. You're gonna love it! Have you picked up Dead Mech yet? You really should. Also, now that you're hooked on Roke, you should go get that series. Available as ebooks, paperbacks, and audiobooks. Just hit my website, jakebible.com, and you'll have access to all the outlets. Now, like always, before I kick it over to the end credits, I want to just say thank you. Thank you for listening, thank you for reading, and thank you for being you and digging my insanity. Just one big thank you. I'll talk to you next week. Or maybe the week after. That big announcement is keeping me busy, so time is short. Hopefully I'll have a better handle on things soon. Until then, here's something to always remember. You can only fail if you quit. Life, writing, everything is a long game. So keep at it. Cheers, y'all. Writing in Suburbia with Jake Bible is a Jake Bible Fiction LLC production, all rights reserved. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Kevin has been a huge part of the podcast community for well over a decade now, so check him out and drop him some coin if you get a chance. Full credits are in the show notes. For all links to works and stuffs mentioned in the episode, please check out the show notes or head over to jakebible.substack.com. Thank you for listening. Cheers, y'all.